I am Deb Creator. I am the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And I am so excited today because my guest is Mark Schaefer. So, officially, welcome, Mark. How are you doing today? I couldn't be better, and I'm pleased to be with you today. <laughs> Great, great. Well, now, the funny thing is, Mark is actually in Knoxville, which is only about three hours away from me, and so, you know, we should have just met halfway and done this the easy way. <laughs> oh, we should have done that. Back. I know, you know, and, and I'm I'm up in Knoxville fairly often, so we're going to have to have coffee sometime, but I suppose we should talk about what we're really here to talk about, which is social media. So before we get started, I want to tell people a little bit about you, Mark. So, Mark... Mark W. Schaefer is a globally recognized blogger, speaker, educator, business consultant, and author who blogs at Grow, one of the top marketing blogs of the world. He teaches graduate marketing classes at Rutgers University and has written four best-selling books, including The Cow of Twitter, which is the best-selling book on Twitter in the world. We're going to talk more about that because he has a new version coming out. He also wrote Return on Influence, which was named one of the top business titles of the year by the American Library Association. His latest book is called Social Media Explained, Untangling the World's Most Misunderstood Business Trend. So welcome, Mark. Well, that was a very nice introduction. Well, you know, I, the the one thing that Mark didn't put in his introduction that is actually how I found him is Forbes magazine has named him one of the top social media experts in the world. Um, so, you know, we, we know that Mark is going to give us fabulous information, and that's why I'm so excited about this. Um, I want to talk a lot about Twitter because I don't use that a lot, so I want to make sure that we talk about it. But first, I just want to jump in because... I read Mark's book last night, Social Media Explained, Untangling the World's Most Misunderstood Business Trend. It's a great book, very quick read. It only takes about 90 minutes or so. And Mark, I have to tell you, I'm halfway through the book, and I had an aha moment. It was one of those where oh, I thought... Do, 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 tell me, do, do tell me about it. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I have always told people is when they're using social media, they need to be driving people to do something. So typically to go to their website or to call or things like that. And while that's still important, that's not really your focus. It's more about providing people with great information. So talk to us more about why it's not just let's drive people to their website. Why do you think business people should use social media? Well, you know, a couple of things that I talk about in the book. I mean, first of all, I, I, I want to emphasize that the reason that we use this is the same as we would use any marketing tool is that we want to drive some behavior eventually. And we need to, we need to measure that and we need to adjust and, and, and adapt and adopt over time. But I think for me, the, the real power of social media comes in the ability to create these small provocations, usually mm -hmm. through some kind of content that allows us to connect with our customers in some way. So we may not be able to visit our customers every week or every month or maybe not even every year. But through the social web, we have this opportunity to provide this drip, drip, drip of connection and content to give them mm -hmm. opportunities to know that we're there, that we're thinking about them, that we have something new, that we're listening, that we want to solve their problems. And so it's, I think it's a historically important opportunity to re-engage with customers and rebuild these personal connections that we had for hundreds and hundreds of years with our customers and we just kind of put those aside or maybe even forgot about those in the last 100 years in this mm -hmm. era of mass broadcasting and advertising. Right. 
Well, and you really talk about that in the book because, you know, it used to be that we did everything face-to-face. You went to the market, um, you know, all of these various transactions that we made with people, you saw them. And then came radio, print, and television. And it was like this wall went up and we stopped communicating with people face-to-face and now social media has brought that back. And I love that concept. So talk a little bit more about that. Well, I think it, it really, the thing that I'm proud of, of about this book is that I think it really takes an entirely new approach and a new twist to explaining why social media works from really a sociological and psychological perspective mm-hmm. that, that, that everybody can understand. And if you're kind of overwhelmed and you're thinking, uh, how do I keep up with this stuff? What I wanted to do in this book is just cut through all this clutter and cut through all the hype and information density to say, look, if you understand these five things, really, you can figure out what's going on. And so uh, the book was really developed after, gosh, almost two years of speeches and consulting and classes and engagements where I'm working with these top executives, trying to figure out a way to explain a short period of time why they need to do this, why they need to support their marketing team in this. And when they realize that what's happening on the web today is just an expression of how customers have always wanted to work with us, all the way back to medieval times and the first marketplaces they they want to they want to know who you are they want to know the people behind the company they want to be able to trust you they want you to be transparent in your dealings they want you to respond quickly if they have a problem and just like going to a marketplace uh, many many years ago or going just down the street to your local Butcher in the 1930s, there's a social aspect to it, too. It's, it was kind of fun. You get to know people and you talk to people, and that's what builds trust over time. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you talk about the fact that, you know, we, we always discuss that it's B2B or B2C, and it's not. It's P2P, which is people-to-people or person-to-person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's... Mm-hmm. Why, you know, as you mentioned, social media has really taken off. But what happens when people still think, oh, it's only B2B on social media? How, you know, what do they need to do to, to shift into this social media mindset, as you call it? Well, it's very difficult. But yet, I think that this is the real key to, to, to making the transition. Because for the last 100 years, as you, as you said, really since the advent of radio, we've been mm-hmm. conditioned to think in terms of advertising. And it has worked very, very well. And there's still a place for advertising. I'm not saying that there isn't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, advertising, you give money to an advertising agency and you wait for something to, to happen. But now the customers have a voice and they, 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 you know, they're expecting uh, you to show up as well. But if you, if you approach this new channel like it's another form of advertising or another form of, of you know, public relations, people are going to run away because the expectation is different now. On, on social media, people are going there um, to get away from advertising. They're going there. They're sick of being marketed to. They're sick of being mm-hmm. sold to. They want to go play Farmville. They want to see, you know, pictures of cats or their grandchildren. They don't want to see, you know, new press releases about your new line of ball bearings or whatever you're selling. But right. they will go to people and they will flock to people and companies and brands mm-hmm. that want to help them. They want to authentically help them. So we have to get out of this mindset on the web of sell, 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 
to help, help, help. And that is very difficult. It's difficult for me sometimes. I mean, I spent a big part of my career in sales. I know what it's like to have those quarterly sales numbers that you got to hit. And it's a little unnerving to go into this new space with this new mindset and trust this system that if you help people, it will lead to business benefits. But I've seen it happen enough to know that it really works. Well, and it's about telling that story. Um, and even advertising has shifted to that. You know, the, the ones that are really successful, and, and what I'm thinking about as, as an example, are the Budweiser commercials. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're no longer, and they really haven't for several years, in, in many ways, advertised their beer. You know, they're talking more mm-hmm. about, you know, I'm, I'm thinking obviously of the Super Bowl commercials where it's the, the military hero who has come home or the little puppy that gets adopted. And, and of course, then we see, you know, the, the, the baby Clydesdales and, the, and what they go through or, mm-hmm. you know, all of those various things. And they're not saying, hey, buy our beer. It's more, we're a warm, fuzzy company. Oh, and by the way, we sell beer. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's, they have really embraced it. Now, clearly, I mean, they have the budget to be able to do that, and, and it helps that they have the Clydesdales where they, they can do that. But, you know, the fact that even those commercials were shared so much on social media, I think really is showing that trend also. And they had the backstories on how they filmed them, that they, were, that they posted on YouTube, and those got millions of shares. So it is more about telling that story and making people feel like you value them. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that I got from your book is, you know, when, when you value people, you help them. And it's not about giving me money. Um, you talk in your book about the, 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 um, the one gentleman who, and, and even yourself, you have so much content that you give away for free, but because you do that, it has led to so many things that you have benefited from financially and, and from your, your career. But it was all about being that helpful person. And I think that's what's so hard for companies and even individuals to embrace because we have been taught that you have to sell and you have to always sell and then you have to sell again. Mm-hmm. Well, I think if you look at any of the leading brands, if you look at the companies who are, who are really best known for their marketing prowess, so Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Procter & Gamble, Nike, they're all embracing this new type of format. They realize that people just don't spend time with advertising anymore. Look, let me tell you something right. from my own perspective. Uh, I, historically, I have not been a big consumer of television shows because my schedule has been so crazy I couldn't sit down on a Thursday night to watch, you know, my favorite show or whatever. But now that these shows are available in other formats, like Netflix, Mm -hmm. I have probably consumed more television in the last two years than in the last five years put together. Now, Mm -hmm. let me tell you something. Unless I'm watching the news or a sports event, which is live, I Mm -hmm. never see a commercial. I never see a commercial. I'm consuming all this television content. Uh, You know, I I don't subscribe to a paper newspaper anymore. I get my content online. So if you're a business who is used to or relying on television advertising or newspaper advertising, my story is not unique. This is the way people are consuming content today. So, what what average, what you know companies are realizing is that people even if they're seeing the ads they want they're they're they're, go, they're walking out of the room or they're you know they're right. they're going through it or they're blocking them out and so people aren't spending any time with ads but they will spend time with a story and mm-hmm. that's where we see the trend going right well and you know i think a lot of businesses assume or, or, you know, they recognize that, say, the younger demographics are away from advertising and things, but you and I are the same demographic and we're, 
little little more mature. We won't say we're old because we're not. Um, but you know, we're we're not in that twenty and thirty something category. Is maybe the the best way to say it. And you're right. I don't watch advertising. You know, if I'm watching live TV. That's when I get up and, and you know, go, you know, get a, something else to drink, or that's when I'm on my iPad. I very, very rarely actually look at an ad. It has to really be something that catches my attention, and then, you know, it, it's fleeting and, and it's gone. So it is about getting back into the social world. So when you deal mm-hmm. with companies who are scared, you know, for whatever reason, you know, frequently it's the, gee, somebody's going to say something bad or, ooh, I have to have my lawyers approve everything. How do you walk mm-hmm. a business through knowing that they have to be online? And you've worked with some of the biggest companies in the world who've been extremely successful at it. But what do you tell, you know, and it doesn't matter what size business, how do you tell them, folks, you have got to be on social media? Well, that's exactly why I wrote the book. <laughs> because I'll tell you something, I get the same questions at every company I go to. And I do, I, I work with Fortune 500 companies, I work with mid-sized companies, I work with startups. No matter what the size or who's there, I get the same questions. And it's just like, you know, you're talking about it. How, you know, where do we start? How do we measure this? How do we have the time for this? How do you budget for something like this? It's the same questions. So I decided to answer those questions once and for all and put them in the book. <laughs> right. But, right. you know, I, I, I think, you know, here's, here's the, the one story that I tell that I think really has an impact on people when they're trying to figure out what is this about and why do we need to do this. I was on a road trip back from the vacation, and I was using an app on my phone, a GPS app, to give me the directions back home. It was Mm -hmm. talking me back home. And I was wondering, why wasn't I using an app from Rand McNally? Now, you know, you and I come from a generation where every car in America had a Rand McNally atlas in it, because that's how you got from one place to another before we had... GPS and smartphones. Mm-hmm. Now, and this is a company. Before we we bought a new one. Well, this is this, this is a company that had one hundred percent market share of getting Americans from one place to another. So I was mm-hmm. curious. Well, how come they don't have a GPS system? How come they don't have an app? So I did, did a little right. research and and found out that that basically they have no digital presence whatsoever. And you wow. can almost imagine the conversations in their hallways, let's say five to ten years ago. What do you mean we need an app? Do you realize how much money we make on these atlases? <laughs> and the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, before you can even start thinking about ROI, you have to think about relevance. You have to think about right. all. Are we going to exist if we're not digital? You know, we're, we have this, the, the millennial generation coming into the workforce now. By 2020, just six years from now, 50% of the workforce is going to be millennials. This, right. is a, this is a generation that manages their relationships on text messages and Facebook. This is a generation where... Facebook basically is the Internet to them. They use it for search. Now, are you telling me that you don't need to be where these people are? These are our new employees. Mm -hmm. These are the people we're going to be hiring into our companies. These are the people who are going to be the majority of our customers in a few years. So, I mean, what's the ROI of bankrupt? You you know, you need to be, you, you need to have some presence and it doesn't need to be the center of your strategy necessarily. That's going to be different for every company. But but you right. need to figure out how does this fit for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know it's it's one of those things where it's it's funny because you can tell if a company is 
a more conservative, maybe is the best way to put it, uh, company in their approach to business where they do focus on the advertising and, and things like that and, and they really hesitate to be on social media. And you know, maybe Facebook isn't where they need to be, but they might need to be on Twitter or they might need to be on LinkedIn. They need to be online, I think is, is the point. Because, you know, it's where we are. I mean, you know, if my iPad isn't charged, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm, I'm lost. Now, I might not be using it, but I want to be able to use it. And, you know, the, the rare times where I wander somewhere and I don't have my phone or, heaven forbid, it doesn't have connectivity. I mean, it's like you've cut our umbilical cords. And, you know, and, and we're the older adopters of this technology. You know, the millennials and the, and the, the group after them, this, it's, it's as you said, this is how they function. You know, they really don't have any idea. You know, I've, I've shown, you know, kids uh, in their 20s a newspaper and they look at it like, woo. <laughs> you know, they've never seen them. Um, you know, and, and, and as you said, you know, this is how they watch TV. This is everything. And so if you are not where those people are, even if it's not your target market, you're you're really missing out, and and I think that's one of the things that that you know I really came away with on the book, and obviously you know that's my mindset also. But the cool thing is you talk about you know how to be there, and I you know and and really how to to approach it, and I think one of the the biggest concepts, and of course this is is it is the the big thing is content, um, you know, and and mm-hmm. so talk to us about. Why content is so important, and you know we've we've talked about the fact that you're not selling things, but that you know that is the one thing when I consult with people, they tell me, well, what are we going to put there? We don't know what we're going to write. So <laughs> you know, when they come up against that, what do you tell people? Well, first, let me explain why content is is so important. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example from my own experience that kind of flipped the switch for me. Um, about, oh, gosh, it's been almost four years ago now, I wrote a blog post about a company that was brand new at that time, a company called Clout, K-L-O-U-T. And some of your listeners may be familiar with them. They're a company that that examines big data and your online connections to figure out mm-hmm. are you creating influence with your social media content. Right. So I wrote this mm-hmm. blog post, and three weeks, the, the blog post went viral. It was tweeted over a thousand times. It probably had close to 200 comments, and, and so it was sending signals to Google that this is important because mm-hmm. the article was moving through the network, and Google picks up on that. So about three weeks after I wrote the post, I got a call from a reporter from the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And she said, Mr. Schaefer, I'm doing an article on this new marketing trend called influence marketing. I Googled the topic. I found your blog post. I thought it was great. Can I interview you for the New York Times? So she did. I was in the Sunday New York Times. The article was syndicated. It showed up in newspapers all over the country, all over the world. Now, the question that I ask, I tell this story in my in my college classes sometimes, and I ask my students, do you think if I only posted on Facebook, I would have ended up in the New York Times? If I only tweeted my ideas about social influence, would I have been in the New York Times? And the answer to that is no. Right. To really have the opportunity to create a voice of authority and have the opportunity for massive reach, you've got to have what I call rich content, meaning mm-hmm. something deeper and, and more important than just a Facebook post or a tweet. And generally for a business, this means a blog post, a video, or a podcast. And there's also some ways like visual communication, like I think Pinterest, Instagram, there's opportunities there. But for most businesses, the the opportunity for this massive reach only comes through something that is rich like a blog post, a video series, or a podcast. 
So mm-hmm. that's where you need to, to start. In, as a business, you need to think about what is my source of rich content because that is going to be the fuel for the rest of your social media platforms. Right. Well, and what I love in the book is you talk about how that one blog post can do so many things. You know, because you are posting it on Twitter, you're posting it on Facebook, you're posting it on LinkedIn. If, say, it was a list of five tips, well, that gives you five things to post on each of those things. Um, you know, maybe you make it into a video. Maybe you do all sorts of things. So that one mm-hmm. blog post is so mm-hmm. much more. And, and you know, and, and it, it really, you know, if it's an evergreen type of post, then you can keep referring back to it and, and all sorts of things. And, and I think that really is um, the first step, as you mentioned, because, yeah, if, if you post on Facebook, eh, you know, 100 people see it. If you post on Twitter, and, you know, if there's something really good. I saw something the other day where somebody posted a photo, and he only had 200 people that he followed on Twitter, and but something about it went viral, and it got retweeted 2,000 times. That's very unusual, though. You know, that's where if if you want this stuff to go, it's the blog. And so, you know, for business, especially a business owner who maybe they are the entrepreneur or, you know, or it's the big business and they can't figure out who's going to blog, that seems to be kind of the sticking point is actually creating that content. So do you mm-hmm. have tips for people on, you know, where they even think about it and, and who should be writing it? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that when I go into most businesses and, and that question comes up, once they start thinking about it, and they start talking about it, they realize that they actually have tons of content. Right. But it's just not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, was, I was working with a, a big uh, company in Miami that uh, is involved in the resort industry. And uh, every month they were putting out this uh, beautiful magazine, this travel magazine with wonderful photography and stories. Every year they put out this amazing catalog with, you know, pictures of their resorts and stories about their resorts. And someone, you know, will get this thing in the mail and then they might glance through it and then it'll go into the trash. And so if you think about the power of this to digitize this, where the content can potentially live forever, people can find it forever through their search. Once people start looking at, well, PowerPoint slides, our presentations, that's a source of content. Mm-hmm. Uh, customer visits, turn on a video camera, do an interview, that's a source of content. Our executive is giving a speech today at the Chamber of Commerce, that's a source of content. We have sales materials, we have marketing materials. Our customer service people are putting together FAQs to help customers. That's a source of content. And if you start looking at what do you already have, we just need to rethink this and we need to repackage some of this in a way that um, that is suitable for the web, that will help people on the web. And, and most businesses have a lot more content that they have than they ever realized. And, and you have to just, again, it's part of taking a new perspective in, instead of thinking about, well, we're creating marketing materials. You also have to think about having kind of a nose for news and, and being aware of your environment when you are having, you know, a customer visit your location or mm-hmm. you're one of an executive is giving a talk. How do we turn this into content for the web? Right. Well, and... You're, you're so right in the fact that we have it, and we just haven't thought, gee, let's repackage it. Um, but, of course, mm-hmm. the key to that is not repackaging it as buy our product or our service. It's, you know, mm-hmm. providing that great information. Um, you know, and, and I, it's funny. When I, uh, like, I'll, I'll retweet or share something from somebody else who does social media, and I've had people on occasion say, well, that's your competition. Okay, maybe, 
but it's great information. And for me, that's more important. You know, and sure, could I take it and rewrite it so I wrote it? In some cases, possibly. But it's more for me about just getting that great information out there. Yeah, I think that's the that's the right attitude. And you know, if you're if you're running your business the the right way, I mean, and you're offering something that's that's distinctive, and and your customers love you for a certain reason, you, you shouldn't really have to fear that. You know, right. if you're building loyalty and you're and you've got confidence in what you're doing, then sharing something good that your competitor is doing is you know should should just help everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Mark, we are just about ready to take a break. We skipped the first one because we got started late. Um, but before we take the break, tell everybody how they find you online and, and connect with you. Well, really quite simple. One-stop shopping. Uh, you can find anything, everything about me at businessesgrow.com. And it says businesses, plural, businessesgrow.com. I had to call it something other than Schaefer because nobody can spell Schaefer. But if you go to businessesgrow.com, you can find tons of free materials, blog posts, podcasts, videos, uh, lots of great stuff to uh, help you with your marketing and your business. Right. Well, and you know, I, I want to touch on that briefly again. Like you said, it's free. But it has led to so much more because people know then you're the expert. So they fly to Ireland to speak or, you know, they have you as the keynote at a big conference. And, and so that's, I think, one of the things that scares people is they don't want to give it away. Well, giving it away leads to more. And I think that's, you know, the, the thing I want people to think about before we take the break. So I am Deb Creer. I am delighted to be speaking with Mark Schaefer on Mile High Radio. And when we come back, let's talk about Twitter, especially because you have a new book about Twitter coming out. So we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal. Yep. Here's your problem. You haven't been listening to MileHighRadio.com. The Chelsea Hutchison Foundation is a Colorado nonprofit corporation formed by Julie and Doug Hutchison to help individuals, particularly children and young adults who have epilepsy. The main focus is to raise funds to provide grants for trained seizure response dogs that may be able to detect an oncoming seizure and provide warnings and or respond after the onset. The foundation also provides MFIT monitors for those in need. MFIT movement monitors are the latest technology for monitoring and individual who, during sleep, may experience seizures, which a caregiver or family member should be alerted to. The Chelsea Hutchison Foundation is named for Julie and Doug's beloved daughter, Chelsea, who died in her sleep during a seizure in April of 2009. The cause of her death is called SUDEP, or Sudden Unexplained Death in Epilepsy. During the six years that Chelsea had seizures, no one had ever told the Hutchisons that a seizure could take her life. As a result of that omission, the Chelsea Hutchison Foundation raises SUDEP awareness so other families are not blindsided in the same way that they were. For more information on the Chelsea Hutchison Foundation, please click on the banner ad right here on milehighradio.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Clint Dickinson of Dickinson Chiropractic. Have you ever wondered why families go to chiropractors? Well, I'm here to give you a little testimonial from a family in my office. They came in for neck pain and uh, hip pain, and they've noticed that their overall health has dramatically improved. Their family has been 19 months free of illnesses of any kind. Their three young girls have not been sick since November of 2009. They have not missed school due to colds, flu, or anything. If you'd like to take advantage of that and get your family well, give my office a call at 303 303- 688-2300-303-688-2300. Great shows, great music, milehighradio.com. What are you listening to? Thank you for being a friend.
And we are back. I am Deb Creer, and I'm talking with Mark Schaefer. We've been talking a lot about uh, content from Mark's book, which is Social Media Explained, Untangling the World's Most Misunderstood Business Trend. And we're going to transition and talk about Twitter. But before we do, I want to say one last thing about the book. One of the important things that I got out of it, Mark, was the importance of measuring, but more importantly, what to measure. Because it's not just the dollars. It's not just the numbers. There's lots of different things that people should measure. And for me, I think that was something that is worth buying the book just to read that. So folks, go buy Mark's book. Now speaking Thank of... Thank you. I'm delighted that you liked it. You know, it really, it's one of those where I will read it again because, you know, I like the ones that are short reads, but it has so much to it that I have to go back and, and read it again because when I'm reading to, to prepare for my radio program, it is reading differently than if I'm reading it to actually absorb the content. And it is one that I will, will read again. So um, I look forward to that. But let's talk about awesome. your other book, the big book, The Towel of Twitter. Now, this is what was so funny. Yeah. You know, I post on Facebook that you're going to be on. And what comes up in the advertisements on the side of Facebook but an ad for The Towel of Twitter? I just thought that was very, very funny. Um, but t Twitter is the very first social media platform that I started on. But it's still one of those where I'm not quite sure how to use it for business. So you've got an update to your book coming out soon, and so let's really talk about what you know why businesses should even think about Twitter. Because you know, I when I tell people they should use Twitter, they say, "Well, I don't think people care what I had for lunch." That's <laughs> not what Twitter is. Um, so tell us uh, why why Twitter is important for business. Well, there's. I mean, there's just so many reasons. Uh, I mean, Twitter has so much, uh, just enormous potential for businesses in different ways. But, um, for example, I think it's the greatest networking tool uh, available. It's, many people mm -hmm. think it's the greatest marketing research tool uh, ever, ever created in, in history. Uh, many companies are using it as an effective way for customer service. Many people are turning to Twitter first uh, when it comes to customer service. It's an amazing place for for education. Um, mm -hmm. If you surround yourself with people who are sending you interesting information, and you can find the best leaders, the best authors, the best speakers, the best teachers in the world and follow them and learn from them. It's almost like going to a university every day. This is where news breaks. You're going to find out things on Twitter before anywhere else. We've talked about how you're on your iPad when you're watching television. Twitter is the, the it has become the second screen for television. This is how people are interacting right. uh, with the shows and with each other when they're enjoying content on TV. So uh, Twitter is is has uh, amazing uh, possibilities, amazing opportunities, but it is difficult to understand. And it took me months to figure Twitter out, and 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 once it clicked. I thought, you know what, you know, I need to write about this so people don't have to go through this struggle <laughs> like I did. Because it is. It's so confusing. Well, it can be intimidating because it's almost like a different language. But mm -hmm. what I, the approach that I take uh, in the book, and I've been so very, very uh, fortunate that uh, people have just loved the book. It's, it's the best-selling book on Twitter in the world. And now I've had an opportunity to come out with a new edition for, two, for 2014. It's now available on, on Amazon. It'll start shipping. Uh, this, I think it's this week it's coming out for the first time. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's an all-new edition, um, tons of, 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 of tips. And, you know, I think that when I look back on my career, 
Um, you know, I've done a lot of interesting things, but I think this is what a lot of people are going to remember me for, that I wrote this book that, that helped so many thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, you mentioned the fact that Twitter is so good for networking. Explain that. Explain how, you know, you can use something that is online where you can only write 140 characters to actually replace, and, and I love this concept, replace going to networking meetings. Um, and you talk about that in, in your other book, too, is the fact that we should be considering, you know, maybe not meeting face-to-face because of the time commitments and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it does have its place. We're not going to, you know, but, but how can you use Twitter as a networking tool? Well, Twitter opens doors. It, it allows you to connect with people uh, really from all around the world that you might not have had an opportunity to connect with before. Uh, you know, I'll give you a, mm-hmm. just a, a quick example. Uh, there was a fellow in, in Wales uh, who started following me on Twitter and got interested in me and started reading my blog. And once he started reading the blog, he decided to buy the book. And then one day, uh, I got an email from him. And I never heard of, I've never heard of this man before. And the subject line of the email was, your book changed my life. And he started to tell me about all these ideas, all these people that he connected with that helped him with his business, that even helped him with uh, finding specialized help for an autistic son that he has. And so long story short, uh, we became friends. Uh, He created a social media conference in Wales. Uh, I went, I was the first speaker, his first keynote speaker. He had it the second year. I came back the second year and met more people, uh, who hired me for more things. It led to a, uh, an engagement with the Bank of Ireland as a new, as a brand new customer. It led to, uh, work for a media group in Wales. It led to me doing uh, conferences for the Welsh government. It led to me doing a, a lecture at Oxford University. Now, let's back up a minute. All of this started with a few tweets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, 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 the business itself didn't necessarily come from my presence on Twitter or anything that I did on Twitter, but it opened the door. It's just like we said in the first part of the broadcast when we said that the beauty of social media is that it provides this drip, drip, drip of communications that that opens up these connections. And that is exactly the power of Twitter in in the entire marketing mix. Right. Well, and one of the things that I've noticed with Twitter as opposed to Facebook and, and LinkedIn LinkedIn, you know, as much as I love LinkedIn, and, and it actually is a platform that I focus on, it doesn't always work for building those good connections with people. I mean, it, it does, but you have to work it really hard. And Facebook, you know, a lot of times, especially if it's a business person and a, and a prominent business person, um, you know, and I, I mean that as in, uh, you know, an executive level, a C-level or, or somebody like that, they might not be the, the person on Facebook, but they right. are the person who is sending out their own tweets. And so that's where right. you can kind of make those connections. You know, so it, it might be that it's, you know, the head of Zappos or the head of McDonald's or, you know, the head of the, the little company down the street. They're the mm-hmm. one who is doing the, the post on Twitter as opposed to somebody else doing it on behalf of the business. Well, I think you're pointing out a, a very uh, relevant aspect of this is that to build these connections on LinkedIn, they have to follow you back. To build these connections on Facebook, they've got to follow you back. You can follow anybody you want on Twitter, and they don't necessarily have to follow you back, and you have access to what they're thinking, what they're talking about, what they're reading, where they are. And you also mm-hmm. do have that opportunity to to tweet to them, to retweet to them. Maybe it'll connect, maybe it won't. But you know, you still have that opportunity that you don't necessarily have on the other platforms. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Well, and, and I think that is so important because, you know, if we try and connect with somebody on Facebook, if we really want to communicate with them, they have to connect back. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, on, on same thing with LinkedIn, unless, you know, you want to pay and do in-mail and, you know, all those various things. But on Twitter, everybody's there. You know, yes, you can make your tweets private, but why the heck would you want to do that? So, you know, you can say something to, to somebody that, you know, hey, you know, congrats on being named on the top 40 on Forbes list. And, and they'll see that and not be connected with you because you mentioned them in the tweet. And I think that's just a trick that people really need to think about, myself included, to use Twitter more as a way to really connect with the people that you want to connect with. That, well, that's right. And, I mean, my rule of thumb for Twitter is if you're the kind of business that can benefit from personal networking, going to an industry conference or going to your chamber of commerce meeting, then you are certainly a business that can benefit from uh, an active presence on Twitter because Twitter is networking on steroids. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you mentioned in Social Media Explained, and, and I, I touched on this briefly, the fact that we might want to really rethink about at least some of our in-person networking. Um, you know, I'm here in Atlanta, and for me to go to a networking event, it's three hours out of my day by the time I have to travel yeah. and then talk and all of that. If I spent that three hours online building connections, yeah. Who's to say if it's going to be more beneficial or not? But it's much more focused. Um, you know, I'm not, and and I love the, the networking groups. You know, since I have moved to Atlanta two years ago, I have met some terrific people. You know, that they have embraced me. They have been more than happy to introduce me to other people, and so I've made some great friends and some great business acquaintances. But you know, is it really the person who is? doing the carpet cleaning and the makeup and the things like that that are going to buy my services. Maybe, but right. making a right. great connection with somebody who's going to, to bring me in as a speaker in, say, San Francisco because I connected with them on Twitter, eh, that might be much more uh, better use of my time. Well, the, the other thing that happened for me, uh, I mean, when I started my business uh, six years ago, uh, I you know, had spent a, a great career in, in the corporate world and decided to start my own business and, and, and teach. Um, you know, I did the same thing. I did all of the networking events. And, you know, number one, I found that, just as you're describing, that a lot of people, they're trying to sell things to me. They're not, and, and they're not really listening to, to, to what I do. And... You know, I'm kind of a big thinker, a big strategy kind of person. And the people I was meeting at these, at these networking meetings, they needed yard signs. They didn't need marketing strategy. I mean, they needed, you know, ads in the newspaper or something. So I was frustrated. And what I observed was when I started to get active online, that instead of me finding my target audience, my target audience found me because they, mm-hmm. they saw me, they saw my presence, they read my content, uh, there's that word again, content, and they, you know, I became someone that they liked and that they trusted mm-hmm. and, um, and eventually hired. And I found out that my, that my marketplace was not in my city or in my state. You know, I've attracted customers from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and you know, probably one of the best examples is you and I. We've never met in person. Mm-hmm. We have only met yeah. online. And, you know, and, and that was because I saw that you made the Forbes list. I found you on LinkedIn, and I sent you a request to connect, and I personalized it. I always tell people, personalize your LinkedIn request. And I said, you know, hey, congratulations on being named on that Forbes list, and then you very nicely connected with me back. And then, of course, you know, I found you on Facebook, I found you on Twitter, and, and on all the other places. But it's an entirely online um, type of business mm-hmm. relationship that you and I have developed. And, and does it take a little bit of, 
ingenuity and even courage sometimes to reach out. I mean, I've had people that said, you sent them a request to connect. Well, I mean, the least you would have done was ignored me. I mean, you know, or report me as spam. But, you know, that to me, and, and I'm a very outgoing person. I mean, obviously, I'm not very shy. But going up to somebody in person is pretty intimidating sometimes. Reaching out to them on social media is is a much safer way for a lot of people to make these connections. And maybe that's something that people need to think about is, you know, they can mm-hmm. they can potentially reach the CEO of some major corporation through Twitter or LinkedIn or, you know, Google Plus or wherever just by by doing that and they would never have the opportunity to meet them in person. Well, you know, it's interesting because there's a, a debate pops up now and then about what is the best personality type to be successful mm-hmm. on the web. And, you know, you might instinctively say, well, someone who loves people or someone who's outgoing. And every time that conversation comes up, the mm-hmm. introverted people speak up and say, wait a minute, this was made for me because I don't have to be in a big crowd. I don't have to go to these meetings where I'm uncomfortable. I can connect to people my way, in my time, on my terms, and it really works for me. And, I mean, I consider myself a bit of an introverted people person. I mean, I much prefer one-on-one conversations uh, over, you know, coffee or lunch than being, you know, in a big uh, conference and being surrounded by hundreds of people. So, uh, but it, I mean, I think it can work uh, for everybody. And I also want to use your example here as, a, as another teaching moment around measurement because, you know, you connected to me and you probably checked out some of my content and, and I guess the, the content led to me in the first place being on some of these lists. I wouldn't be on those lists if I didn't have the content to back it up. Right, right. And well, now you invited me on this on this radio show. So you're creating I'm creating value for you and you're creating value for me, but that's not necessarily value you can measure in dollars and cents. It's it's qualitative benefits rather than quantitative benefits. Right. I just wanted to make that point that a lot of the benefits on the web don't necessarily come in dollars and cents, but it can be, you know, awareness, it can be publicity, it can be new connections that lead to powerful new business benefits. Yep. Well, Mark, unfortunately, there's the music, which means we have to end. So I will have you back on again. Thank you so much for coming on, and because we definitely have to talk more about Twitter. Thank you so much, and to everyone, have a great day. I hope it always will stay this way. My hat is... This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.